Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Working class on DeerCast, it is episode... 97, as my paper tells me. Hopefully that's correct. And uh, Eric and I are sitting here in our WCB studio. What up, man? What's going on, brother? And joining us via Witchcraft, a.k.a. the Dark Web, Dustin Dottilio. I consider you a famous outdoor artist. 100%. Very nice of you. (laughs) I don't think... I, I feel like you're humble and you probably wouldn't say that, but I know you through seeing your art on the internet. And uh, we've been trying to do a podcast with our crazy schedules and family and work and life and all that. And here we are. We're finally here, man. So thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you guys having me. This is awesome. Dude, tell us about you because obviously you're a hunter and especially from the, the good deer behind you there. But how did you get into art and doing wildlife art and all that? I want to know it all. Well, uh, I grew up in a hunting family and mainly waterfowl hunting. Um, I wasn't patient enough to sit there and wait for a deer (laughs) and uh, just kind of like moving around and whatnot. And duck hunting seemed to be the way that I could do that and hunt. So I did a lot of that. And then eventually I went to, after graduating high school, I went to college to be a physical therapist. And turns out I kind of taught myself to draw in my dorm room. And within that four year period at college, I, decided to switch my major and get a graphic design degree and have been a full-time wildlife artist since college. Oh, that's awesome. Well, right, right out of, right out of college. Yeah. See, I would have yeah. thought that it was something that like you just were good at from like elementary on just like doodling. And then that's like where it would start. That surprises me that it was kind of later yeah, on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I did, I doodled a lot and stuff, but it was not, I don't think I was like above average when it came to, art skills or anything like that really yeah so looking at looking back at some of my old stuff you would 
you would agree. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> see, I always, I'm always curious about that. So, like when I talk to my my tattoo artists and stuff, the people who just seem just so, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of work put into it, but like art gifted in a way, right? And I'm always like, is it something you can actually learn how to do, or do you have to be born with like sixty percent of it, and you just make up the rest with practice? I think that that's accurate. You you probably have some sort of natural ability because like my parents cannot draw a stick figure, <laughs> but my grandfather's like a super, super talented wood carver, oh, like mm. realistic wood carving. And then my grandmother's cousin, my grandma's actually really good at drawing, but her cousin is a full-time artist who does like photorealistic, um, surreal artwork, I guess. No kidding. Okay, so maybe yeah. it just skips a generation because my mom can draw like crazy, and me really? and my sister cannot draw at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had something I've always wanted to get into, especially like as I got older and started like wanting wildlife paintings or art or whatever. Like that, it's like, and, and you know, in school, trying to draw deer and they just look like ass <laughs> when, <laughs> when you draw them, and then you see like some of the work that you put out, and you're like, how is it even possible? I don't know to to do that. Like it doesn't seem like I can't wrap my brain around it, and that's why I can't do it. So I was just well, I appreciate that, dude. It's beautiful work. <laughs> Everything you do is amazing. Um, so yeah, I just was always curious about that. That's like my opening question to an artist: like, can you learn how to do it, or, or are you just born with it? You know, I really think that you can learn. I mean, people don't know how many I've been doing art from. I think my sophomore year of college, I took like the first art class there. And I just kind of saw what the other majors were doing. And I was like, I can do that. And then just kind of combine my love for hunting with the passion that I had gained for art mm -hmm. and just kind of ran with it. But I do it every single day. Yeah. It's so cool, too, that you switched your major. Like, you just kind of found out, like, hey, I love drawing, so I'm going to switch my major and then just went for it. Yep. Yeah, a lot of... Uh, I have a lot of like supportive family members and stuff, but definitely some people were kind of thinking like, what are you doing? <laughs> kind of <laughs> physical therapist to an artist is kind of night and day difference. But. Oh, hundred percent. Well, Hey, worked out. I don't want to offend anybody with this, but when someone's like, oh yeah, I'm an artist. You're always like, you're kind of like, oh yeah, you are. Yeah. So am I. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> but then yeah. if someone's like, yeah, I did this and shows like some of your work, it's like, oh yeah, you are an artist. Like, and I'm not so you know, I guess that's subjective. Right. So no, I'll, I'll tell you, for, I go to trade shows and stuff. And when people see what I do in person, I kind of get that like, oh, you, you are an artist. But when I meet people that have never seen my work and they ask what I do for a living, I don't tell them I'm an artist. What do you tell them? I tell them. I tell them I'm a graphic designer. Interesting. Because, yeah. Because, to avoid that eye roll. Yep. Exactly. Especially like if I'm with my wife or something like that, it's nothing like she has no problem. She's absolutely amazing. But I almost feel like embarrassed for her that to hear somebody say like, oh, your husband's an artist. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah. I, I get it. Yep. Um, Dude, like, yeah. My niece <laughs> likes to paint too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Finger paintings, cool. I bet right. she's really good. <laughs> really good with the watercolors. <laughs> oh, dude. Think about how lame my job title sounds. Yeah, but yours is very similar to like a radio host. Like that's a legit. Yeah, man. Job. But when Actually, we're all out at like a work dinner, 
especially now that podcasts are so like popular yeah you tell people oh what do you do for a living uh, i podcast like i okay. say uh digital marketing or outdoor yeah. marketing yeah it just it, it avoids a lot of like vague questions oh yeah yep that's I funny though same thing yep just i tell them i'm a graphic designer and if they want to kind of see a website or something then i'll show them my paintings and whatnot but other than that, I just kind of leave it at graphic designer. That's hilarious. Perfect. What was the first piece of art you sold? Um, or, or I guess how long from when you started in school, you know, sophomore in college, your first like, what would you would say like your style art that you like, or, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a whole other line of questions. Like how long did it take you to fall into your style or was it always there? And then from there, what was your first piece of art that you sold? So I went to Castleton University. Um, it's just a state school. And uh, on my floor was like a bunch of, I don't know, everyone loved hip hop and rap and that type of stuff. So I actually started like teaching myself to draw like 50 Cent or really? um, like Kendrick Lamar, just like some big name <laughs> hip hop guys. Yeah. And I sold a couple of those like almost immediately. And but you're talking like 50 bucks for something that took me five hours, probably. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> interesting for a college kid, though, I, not bad. That no, it's a good little side hustle. Oh, yeah. See, I never would have expected that answer to that question. I would have been like, oh, yeah, he drew like a drew a deer, you know, like or a, a duck. Yeah, a duck or you know, a dog with a, something that's interesting. Yep. That's a curveball. Knowing yep. your market. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm like such a diehard hunter and outdoorsman and have been my whole life that like people started to commission me to do pet portraits and like a border collie or I don't know, pugs, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can only do so many of those before you kind of get burnt out of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm someone that gets burnt out of stuff pretty quick. So I'm always... I started out pencil drawing, then went to charcoal, and then took up a paintbrush in 2013. Mm -hmm. Started painting, and then I, I've done wood burning. I engraved headstones for people for no quite kidding. a while. Um, the tumblers, I do tumblers and coolers, like hand paint on those. Those have been a big hit. Yeah. And I'm going to be purchasing a tattoo gun here shortly. Oh, oh that was in my sick. line of questions. Yeah. You want some, I was gonna, you want to practice on somebody? Give me a holler. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll I, I get that offer a lot. But we'll fly out. Just do it right here. Can't erase ink. <laughs> it's, I'm too far gone, man. It's okay. <laughs> I would trust you, man. I mean, with with that resume of just like different art skill sets, it's just a matter of time before you're incredible at it. And I don't know, like. You know, I love art. I love the wildlife art and everything, but I don't know what there'd be more money in. And I know that's not why you do it, but you want to make some money. But I know tattoo artists make pretty good money. Pretty good money, yeah. Because I pay them. You definitely, <laughs> definitely don't become a wildlife artist to make money. Right. <laughs> that's Yeah. You see, that but. surprises me a little bit, though, because everyone I know, like our good friend Bucky, like collects wildlife art. And you go into his house and he's spent... You know, may, probably thousands of dollars on wildlife art, um, but maybe it, is it just is it so niche, or how does it feel to you? Um, I mean, I think like people like Ryan Kirby. Obviously, everyone knows Ryan Kirby. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, 
Yeah, um, we have we have a piece of his art in here. Someone gifted it to us actually, like the yeah. the diagram of the deer, like of yep. deer age. Yeah, yeah. So he's the only artist that I have hanging in my house right now, um, and it's just one painting of a buck chasing a doe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that he's like really opened the door and brought like more of an interest into wildlife art because of the deer turkey paintings and his name. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then I, that also, just like people say, like there can't be X amount of podcasts because it takes away from everybody else. I I don't agree with that. I think that there's there's room for everybody. And yeah. the more mm-hmm. interest in wildlife art, people can branch out and find the type that they like. Because mm-hmm, we sure. do way different styles. Yeah, I feel like for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I I feel. Um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on the wildlife artist who did, I always bring up the grade eight painting. So, um, but it was a bu- bucket. Michael Sieve. Hmm. Um. But anyway, he's like I think Wisconsin, Wisconsin or Michigan based artist, and he always had like his thing. Like there, in a lot of his paintings, there's like a hunter hidden in a tree, or like there's those little things you know to like look for in his art. But yeah, like I've never been like, oh, there's too many wildlife art. From my perspective, you know, I think it's cool to go into someone's man cave or hunting lodge, right. or like in our case, our studio, and look at wildlife art. I feel like it's big in, in hunting culture. It's huge. That's like, I mean, growing up, my dad collected Terry Redlands. I mean, he's got probably a dozen of them, you know, hanging in his basement. Yeah. See, that's awesome. So to me, it's like a super important part of hunting culture. I agree. Yep. It tells a story and it's gets passed down generation to generation. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I have some Melissa Ball feather paintings. She does like realistic paintings on turkey feathers. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been a really good mentor to me. And her artwork is also like really underrated. She doesn't get enough attention for what she does. Mm-hmm. But there's a million people out there that are like, would blow me out of the water. Um, they just don't have, I don't know, I guess the machine behind them. <laughs> they don't, right. They're not like in the industry. They're not. Yeah. I well, don't know. Or maybe they don't want to do it full time. Right. Yeah. I can do see it that. for fun. Does it feel like work? Like, do you yeah. feel like you're like, ah, this is, I got to do this a little bit, you know? Yeah. Especially like, there's definitely projects that I, I get hired to do that I'm like really looking forward to, but those are normally like a deer, turkey, anything hunting. Um, but if someone's like, will you paint my black lab? And it's not like a duck hunting scene. I don't know. Really <laughs> <laughs> You're being I'm, so I'm nice too. about it. <laughs> yeah. I still do it, but every like people portraits or something I'm trying to move away from because mm-hmm. they take so long to like get a likeness to somebody. Right. But occasionally I'll take one. Like I did one for uh, Dale Arnhart's family. No kidding. Yeah. So like that was obviously something I was pretty pumped to do. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. You're just saying you're not as excited to do some of them as the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get, the nice way. I get that. Yeah, you're like super nice about it. Well, so if someone gets a hold of you and they're like, hey, man, um, I want to buy art. Like, how do they get a hold of you to just buy like art you've already done, or what other type of work? If someone's like, "Hey, I shot this buck. Can you paint a portrait of this buck?" If you kind of want to break that down, explain it a little bit. Yeah. So normally, people will reach out on social media, or I have a website. Um, they go. They can fill out. There's a little 
a sheet you fill out and it goes to my email and you can commission a painting, which means it's like a custom original painting based on whether it's your buck or a scene that you want done, something like that. Or I have a bunch of prints, which are copies of paintings I've done mm -hmm. and you can purchase those through social media or my website. Very cool. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. So like custom like deer work, if someone's like, Hey, I want to buck my dad shot and a buck I shot together in the same like scene. Is is that, is that like, I know it's hard to do obviously, cause it takes your like experience and skill and talent and all that. But like, is that as enjoyable as if you painted something on your own or like, does that make sense? What I'm trying to ask? Cause in my yeah, eyes, I'm like, Oh man, I got to paint another deer for this guy. But I no, I, I don't think I'd ever get burnt out of painting like those type of scenes. Gotcha. It, it's the the things that I'm a little bit like disconnected from, like somebody else's cat. <laughs> yeah. Never met this cat before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really a cat fan. <laughs> right. So stuff like that. I mean, I'll do them because it's money and I'm who knows if this will ever just come to a screeching halt. I don't know. Right. So I doubt it, bro. You're pretty damn talented. Oh, thank you. What if but, what if we wanted a portrait painted of our podcast crew like Death Row Records back in the day where they all got they're all in black and they got the big pinky rings on and the chains? What if we wanted that? Is that something you'd do? I'd probably forward you to a different artist. <laughs> <laughs> channel channeled the old hip hop artist from college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I should do that. Yeah. He's like, I politely deny your request. <laughs> I will not do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just asking. That was a test. You passed. But uh, hey, it doesn't hurt to ask, you know. I do kind of want that. Because you, <laughs> you mean, remember watching uh, Robin Big back in the day? Oh, yeah. They did that. They went and had, they got photos taken of it and they had their dog, Meaty, and they put like a chain on them and stuff. <laughs> I just think it'd I always be too. so funny to have that here and watch people when they come in and not expect it to be like, What's up with that? Why do they have that on the wall? You know? but, <laughs> yeah, I thought these guys were hunters. What the heck? Yeah, it's like what is Death Row Records anyway? You know, but yeah, yeah, dude. I don't know. We're gonna I'll, I'll, we're gonna buy some art from you, man. Hanging it in the studio. I feel like it's something we need in here for sure. And uh, can never have too much. Well, we have a, we have, we have a very eclectic uh, collection just in the studio in general. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man. We're I've been following your Instagram for a long time, and uh, we're gonna get we're gonna buy some art and hang it in here. So I appreciate that. I definitely want to do the Geyer buck for you too. I know that we had kind of discussed that a little bit. So maybe yeah. some sort of custom piece, bringing that back to life would be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. That would be really cool, man. I, uh, yeah, I'd have to think about that. Cause I have the, the original shoulder mount in the house yep. and I want to hang my dad's bow up and then do like a painting with the, I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we, we should talk about that more when, but man, you know, it's like I try to think about it a little bit. I'm like, oh man, it would be so cool. It'd be cool to just see people if they could look at the painting and put it together without right. me saying, which I think of course they would, but um right. it'd just be neat. That deer is so ridiculous. It is. <laughs> that I think I actually it, had just seen it for the first time. I can't remember what episode it was, but you brought it up um to show the guy to compare it to a different buck that he had on camera. Yeah. Or shot. You said it looked very similar. Um, yeah, yep. And I don't know how far back it was or whatever. But that it might have been. Uh, I I remember the episode. I remember grabbing it and bringing it in here. Yeah, because I'm never watching the screen when I listen. I'm always working. Like literally every single day, I listen to you guys. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, yeah, this is pretty cool. But um, 
Yeah. So I'm never like watching the screen. I'm always painting and I have my back to the screen and then you had pulled it up. So I whipped around to look at it and that thing's a freak. <laughs> it's just, it's framey as heck. It would, it would be a yeah. really good painting book, you know, I think. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. But yeah, it, I would love that, man. I think it'd be cool to see that come to life and, um, you know, hang it next to the original Mount in, in the house, you know, kind of a, a cool tribute, but yeah, that, dude, that's cool. Is there is there many artists out there who do like custom paintings like that of deer? I know the whole digital taxidermy thing is like big, which mm-hmm. is cool, but not as cool as what you do. Like not a fraction of cool, and maybe that you eye roll at that a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it. I, it's, not, it's different. He found a cool niche, that's for sure. Right, it's a cool niche, but it doesn't have the same weight. To it's it. Photoshop. It's right. Photoshop. Yeah. It doesn't okay. have that real like it's cool. It's cool to see. But if someone's like, I got a painting done. Like our good buddy Todd in his office, his big buck, he had I I don't even know if this I can't remember the name of the artist that he found. And I don't even think she's a hunter, but he just basically contracted her to paint this big giant painting of one of his bucks that was standing in his food plot. And it's powerful. Is it? When you walk in and see it in his office, you're like, that's a baller move. That's you, awesome. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. like just a, a print. You're like, that's cool. Right. It, it's different yeah. weight. Both cool. Yeah. But, but damn, different. you got a painting of a deer you shot and it's in your face. That is a baller move. That's some. And I'm not taking anything away from that digital taxidermy guy by any means. Like it does, yeah. it takes skill and like an artistic eye and stuff to piece that all together. Yeah. Um, a lot of people I had talked to were going to do that and they were under the impression that it was a painting. Oh, hmm. because it's digital artwork, I guess, or a digital painting. Yeah. So there's they, no shade thrown. I don't think even no. that guy, I know there's a couple people now who do the digital taxidermy. I know they wouldn't even like, there's no argument here and I, I don't even think they would argue it. It's different, yeah, you know, different. it's, it's different, but man, it is a baller move to have like a, a badass painting mm-hmm. of, a, of your own deer or any deer, you know, like a all, custom painting in general. Yeah. It's awesome, man. But yeah, so I don't, I don't feel like you're throwing shade at that at all. Um, Hopefully it doesn't come across that way. Cause I don't think not, it does. That's no, not good. what I'm trying to do at all. Yeah. No, no, it's all good. I, I don't think you are at all. I, I think it makes perfect sense. I don't think anybody would argue that. I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. I get it. That's it's clear, you know. But next question. Next question. Move on. Move <laughs> on. <laughs> Bounce on with it. So, um, I'm stuck on that digital taxidermy thing, but <laughs> but no, man, it, it is just different. I don't think there's any argument. But moving on, what's something you want to move more into? What's something you'd like to do more of? Definitely more. I guess like deer and turkey paintings. That's really what I. I love to do when I want to go to more trade shows and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's been so fun because I paint live at the show. No oh, kidding. Sweet. Is that stressful? So, yeah. So I have like super bad anxiety mm-hmm. and especially social anxiety. I told you I was nervous for this, but yeah. at a trade show, like the first couple brush strokes are like shaking <laughs> like crazy. Yeah, yeah. This guy's an artist. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so I always start on like the grass where it doesn't matter if I mess up. <laughs> right. It looks, looks like you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, really cool. textured there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really. So when you go to a trade show, 
do you have like your art on display and then is the painting set up where people like is it you know people look you know your your backs to them so they can see like what you're painting as you paint it exactly yep gotcha so i have like a display wall typically behind me or i guess it would be to my side and mm -hmm. then i have an easel with a painting that i'm working on right next to me and i'll sit there and just paint and people can browse all my prints and whatnot and seems to do really well i go down to nashville to the nwtf event yeah and it's been so fun i bet i heard that show's insane we need it to get is. you to the iowa deer classic yeah you'd kill it i there. would love to do that you would oh man you'd get bombarded i'm sure you get bombarded at nwtf but you big heavy I, neck midwest whitetail paintings ugh. dude you better have a, a cashier working for you while you're painting so so don't do any of like the vermont spike horns <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no vermont uh maryland y bucks pa yeah. pa uh who else can we make mad michigan um i all but, of new england yeah all of new england yeah <laughs> new england bucks no, new england scrub bucks yeah but i'm telling you man like at iowa i just feel like that's something i go nuts over and i think everybody would go nuts over and you don't ever see it at I the iowa show not that i can recall no and man, if Not somebody's I there, remember. I feel bad. But the only time I remember seeing art on display at a show is when we went to Harrisburg. There's a couple artists yeah. there, and that's been a couple years. But you don't see much like original work that's like the artist is there with their work. That's what I mean. Sometimes you'll see, you know, this guy is selling someone else's work, but never a, an original artist there selling his own. Yeah. I think like Chansey used to do that. Yeah. Maybe he, he still does. I, I'm not sure. But I don't think he does the show's for his art i think his his feather painting schedule's backed up so far but i haven't seen since we've been doing the show circuit i don't think i've seen chancy set up at a show no uh he's normally that's how there. he got started i know that yeah he's normally there with like whitetail adrenaline but dude i'm yeah. telling you if you get out to the midwest and did like our show circuit that we normally like flow through yeah dude insane. it would be nuts you'd be busy but man i i just i can't imagine you not just killing it that's awesome. I definitely want to I want to explore more because I only do two trade shows, the NWTF and then one in Vermont. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, you got to get out this way. Let's get together cuz we could uh I can just give you a list of all the ones we do and I know I know you would kill it. Awesome. Definitely definitely want to do that. I'm interested in that for sure. I think it's a cool thing too cuz like just people can watch. Would would you ever do like custom work if you're at the show and someone's like, "Hey, I got you before you started painting. I want this one painted." Like you do do it live at the show for a customer. So typically what I'll do is I'll kind of have one like prepped, I guess, pretty far along so that you can tell what I'm painting. Oh, okay. Great. I, I think people would just zoom right by if they saw a blank canvas and I'm sitting there sketching with a pencil and it, it doesn't look like anything, but so I'll get it to a point where you can tell what the scene is mm. and then people can stop by and I mean, I'll spend a full day just doing hairs on a deer. Like, really? Yeah. So it's pretty well almost finished. Like people can sometimes I sell them right off the easel, which is pretty cool. That is cool. That is sweet. Um, so I'll prep, you know, four or five of them for a week long thing, and just kind of work on them at my leisure and talk to people, sell stuff, talk hunting. Anything. That's awesome. How does the painting process start? Like, because you said you'll sketch on them first. In yeah. my head, I'm like full blown 
Bob Ross and the style, and you're just in there like <laughs> freehanding it. Yeah, happy tree here. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, here's a rub tree here. Yeah, here's yeah. a little 200 inch buck here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just add them in wherever. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So like, are, do you kind of like sketch out? G- give me the rundown. Like, you start a new deer painting. How yep. the hell do you even go about it? How do you start? What's the first mark that you make? So typically, what I'll do is I'll contact a photographer or I'll have my own reference photos and I'll find like a position of a deer. So like a a buck rubbing a tree, for example, like one sec. Mm -hmm. I love that one. That's awesome. Like that one. Yep. Was you're probably familiar with like Charles Alzheimer. Mm, I don't know. I probably should. He does a lot of like New York um he was based out of new york but he did a lot of like the moon phase stuff a while Mm -hmm. ago um he was pretty big name at least around here Mm -hmm. but he took that picture and then let me work from his picture to create the painting oh so like it is rubbing a really small sapling and it's like a really big buck so the number one comment i get on that painting is there's no way a big buck would ever rub a small sapling like that so i'll just hold up the picture next to the painting and be like yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, hilarious. Yeah, the way like that one started, I just look at the picture, take a pencil and start sketching it until mm-hmm. I get it roughed in, you know, the head and everything's proportional. And then I just start painting. You, you start just painting over that and, and you just give yourself reference lines to go off of and then you just dive right into the paint. Yeah, basically like the deer head's almost like a, a triangle shape and then ovals for the ears um just very basic shapes like that and then kind of refine it a little bit more so it's more detailed mm-hmm. and then once i have it looking proportional and stuff that's the biggest thing with wildlife art if you have the head's too big or the body's too fat or something it just looks odd mm-hmm. which i do all the time like i we have a burn pile of canvases that's <laughs> taller than me really i see i was going to ask you is like out of 10 paintings how many are you like all right imagine me trying to paint i'm trying to sketch i'm like ah crumple crumple throw it in the like how out of 10 how many does that how how many times that happen to this day quite a few really yeah probably for every like 10 attempts that i'll do at a painting i'll probably throw away like three no kidding yeah i i mean i'm not judging at all i think that's great that you're honest about that i always just wondered that Cause not, like, it seems unrealistic to me to just be like every time, yeah, yeah. just pumping out. Like, the, you hit it a home run every time. <laughs> yeah, every time's world class. And maybe there's artists out there, but I just I don't wouldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean sometimes I do something where I'm like borderline happy with it, but something's just not not right, and I can't pick it out. So I'll toss that one out too. Really, um, my wife gets frustrated at that. <laughs> <laughs> she probably doesn't know what's wrong with them. Exactly. Like you're your biggest critic, basically. Yeah, for sure. Just like you guys. I'm sure you guys like listen to things that you say or do or whatever. Every like, week, brother. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every week. No, that's, yeah. I find that really interesting because so what gets a painting to the point of where you're like making prints of it? Like in your eyes, what's it have to have to make it to that level? Um, typically like if I finish a painting and and I'm happy with it, I'll throw it up on social media. And then if there's 
like requests for prints and stuff, or somebody wants to buy the original, if the typically the original will sell within like minutes of posting it at this really? point, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I do prints, like if something sells that fast and there's still more people wanting it, I'll make prints of it for sure. Break that down, the original to prints, because I think there's people that might not get the difference. Yeah, I get, I mean, that's like the number one question I get all the time. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? So a print is just a copy. It's whether somebody photographs the painting and then prints from that photograph, or I have a scanner, so I scan it in quadrants. So I'll do like the upper left, then the right, and just piece it together in Photoshop to recreate the full size detailed image mm -hmm. and they look exactly I get them printed on canvas. So they look just like the original. Right. And yeah. So, but you can sell those at like an endless amount or an endless quantity. Right. If you wanted to, um, some people do like a limited edition one, like all the white tails unlimited NWTF, all those type of prints are all numbered and signed. Mm. So like, once they sell 1,200 of them, there's no more made. Very cool. Oh, that's cool. And then the original. So if someone's like, yeah, I have the original. It's the one you painted. Yep. It's the one I sat down, actually painted, and that's one of one. There's no second original. Of right. <laughs> Right, maybe so, in, maybe in the burn pile. So, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there might be a, couple, a maybe, lot of those. Maybe There's three a and a fourth. <laughs> people are sneaking in trying to get that original. Yeah, you're gonna have people digging through your garbage <laughs> every week. So when How about it in ballpark terms, you know, I know everything's a different price. If someone wanted to buy an original versus a print. Is it like five times more to have the original? Because there's a lot of weight to having the original, in my right. eyes, right? Oh, it makes it cool. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I sell my prints typically for like $65 to $200, depending on if it's a paper print or a canvas print, because a canvas print is like stretched around the bars and it you can just hang it up on a wall. Mm -hmm. A paper print, you have to get a frame and all that stuff for. Right. Um, and then the originals sell anywhere from like 800 to 2000. That's awesome. Kind that of like awesome. My average. Kick ass. That is cool. Why, what do you, I mean, all right, the original, of course, you prefer that. Do you yeah. like canvas or do you like a, like a print with a frame? What, what from your artist eye, when you walk in somewhere, what do you like to see? Canvas. Canvas. Yep. Is that more just because it's more realistic looking or like? A canvas of, print just looks more like the original. There's not like the, the glass over the front of it where right. you can tell, like most people aren't going to frame the original behind glass. Okay. True. You have it like an open wood frame around the borders, kind of like this. There's no glass on it. Yeah. Okay. Dude, it's I just love mounted to a mounted to a board, and when it's on the wall, it looks like the original painting. Mm -hmm. It has the canvas texture, all that stuff. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like both, but I'm not an artist, so. <laughs> Like I like, you know, I like the glass frame. They're classy, oh, yeah, they're classy. But there is something about having that canvas look. So we're expanding, right? We're we're remodeling our neighboring building. So I would it's, say it's it an open awesome. canvas over there. Oh, you, Eric, she was. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? So we're gonna have a little more room for art. Like it's funny because our taxidermy is encroaching 
on our art space, but there's a lot of nooks and crannies on this side that <laughs> deer heads can't be hung. So it's a perfect spot to put some artwork, you know? So, you can always find room to hang a painting. Always. You can. Always. And it classes it up, man. I like when people get to walk around and like, I don't know. It's cool to walk around people's houses, like see what they got and why they like that or who they bought that from and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like part of the yep. fun of like man caves and hunting cabins and stuff like that. For sure. I agree. Yeah. So what's the next big project you're working on right now? Um, I can't really talk about one of them. Okay. Let's, it, let's it's not pretty, poke that bear. It, yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, I am doing a collaboration of a deer knife with one of my buddies who's a taxidermist mm -hmm. and i can when does this air uh a week from tuesday so two weeks never never mind i was <laughs> going to show it to you guys but um it's <laughs> it's a pretty cool buck knife with like an image on the blade and it's got a deer antler handle um that's kind of a cool unique collaboration that i'm doing and I don't know. I, I don't really have too much. Well, tell me about like it. the coolers and like the tumbler paintings. Cause I've, I see you do that online and socials, but if someone's just listening, break that down a little bit. How, how's it work? How's it stay on there? So it originally started, I went to my taxidermist to pick up a uh, deer head and he had asked, have I ever painted on a Yeti tumbler? And I kind of was like, mm, no, I'm not really interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. and thinking that it, I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but it wasn't something I was really interested in. Went home, got a Yeti, painted on it, and put it online. Sold like hotcakes. Yeah, it was insane. So I basically sit there with a tumbler and start painting it, and then I put a clear coat epoxy over it mm. so that it protects Sealed the up. artwork. Yeah. No kidding. Um, I mean, when I first started doing them, I put it on TikTok and I woke the day that I put one up, I woke up to 275,000 views on it the next Holy day. Smokes. And I had over <laughs> 600 emails every single day for the next two weeks. Jeez, man. So how yeah. long does it take you to make, to paint one tumbler? A couple hours I can get one done. That's cooking. That's, that, that's yeah. fast. I mean, yeah. But man, would you times that by six hundred every day? Yeah, Ugh. can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Can't. No, <laughs> nope, can't do it. Good problems to have, man. I, I like, you know, you. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for kind of like the niches you're excelling in, like that's your style paired on very outdoorsy type things, like tumblers and coolers. Yeah. Is like you. Everybody needs more of them. Right, especially if you're, you know, a hunter or fisherman or whatever. Um, yeah. And the coolers, I always thought was interesting because I never even thought about doing like artwork on a cooler. So, right. I, and I see you do like normally like the lid of a cooler, but how does how do you get that art to stay on there? Same thing. I'll put a clear coat over it. I do a lot of layers so that it's as protected as it can be, but at the same time, it's also still an original painting on a cooler. So you have to be, you can't beat around on it. Like you would a normal. Right. Yeti or whatever. Yeah, for sure. That was like my next question. It's like, you get this cooler. <laughs> How do you sell copies of tumblers? You know? Yeah. Hey, we're going to send yeah, you a do grizzly a 400. <laughs> paint the lid. Have you seen those coolers? The big giant grizzlies. 
Oh yeah. You can fit a couple people in them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. See, that'd be the thing. I like, get a painting on a cooler, and I wouldn't want to. Uh, I wouldn't want to do anything with it. I'd want to just like leave it sit so it didn't get messed up. A lot of people just use them like in their man cave. They have like a corner when they got buddies over, mm. so it's not getting banged around in the truck or anything like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Occasionally, I'll get like a picture if someone's got like a dead turkey on it or something like that. But for the most part, people are pretty careful with them. They it's, they turn into classy coolers. Yep. Yep. You're going out cooler. You're not going out. <laughs> going in cooler. Yeah, going in cooler. <laughs> Yep. Well, dude, I love it. I uh, if people want to buy some of your art, where can they go again? Uh, DustinDetilioArt.com is my website or social media, Instagram, Facebook, same thing. So cool, man. I'll link all that in on the, in the episode description. Uh, we're gonna be buying some art from you to hang it in the studio, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, if anybody's wanting to get a custom piece of artwork done in one of their deer or a tribute of a deer, like what we're talking about with the guy or buck, yep. It, Hit them up, and if you know, I'll link your Instagram on there. People need to get on there and check it out, man. You, you're you're world Super class, cool. man. It's great to finally make this connection happen. Thank you, guys. I was saying before we were live, this is kind of like the Tonight Show of deer hunting. So this is <laughs> this is awesome. You guys are the best podcasts out there, and well, I listen to a lot it. of them. Thank you, man. That yeah. means a ton. It does. It's funny, like getting talking to you. You're like you alluded that you listened, and I'm always surprised when someone I think is really cool listens. You know, because I'm like, I'm like admiring your work. Like, whoa, dude, I'll googly eyed. And you're like, yeah, listen. I'm like, wow. Really? Yeah. So you were artists. I like instantly become embarrassed. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of cool to, like, listen to some. I know that you're trying to wrap it up here. No, we're good. No, like, you're good. Hey, we own the show. We can really do whatever we want. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Some of the similarities, like you used to BMX is one of the things that I remember hearing. And I yeah. was like super, super into skateboarding and snowboarding. Really? Um, I don't know like how far you took it or if you just kind of rode around or whatnot, but yeah, I really think like that extreme sports mentality from biking, snowboarding, skateboarding, whatever it is, that mentality like really, really helps people in, in life or accomplishing goals because it's just, you're beat down with failure. How many times you try a trick and yep. break a bone and you still go back to do it again. Oh yeah, 100%. yeah. Oh yeah, I raced. I raced pretty heavily around the country, and I always remember the pressure. Eventually, you get over it a little bit, but you're always still scared. It's like, I remember going from not jumping much to then trying to jump everything on the track, mm -hmm. and then it's like the pressure of like, you know, you you go up in a different class. It's like, well, if you don't jump this, you're not gonna be able to keep up with the pack. Right. So yeah, I guess there's probably like a deep life lesson in there, like kind of forced you to commit. Yep. Or try yep. something you're 100%. uncomfortable with. And yep. uh so yeah, that's a good point. Never really thought of it that way. I mean, it's definitely different than sports because anybody can play a sport, but when you're something like that physical where you're throwing your body around and stuff and there's like real consequences to it, I think it just adds a different mentality to whatever you want to accomplish in life, I think. Well, that too and like just like hunting those types of sports, like, you know, like if it's BMX or skateboarding or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, it's an individual sport. Like your success and failure is on your shoulders the yeah. same way with the hunting, even though there is camaraderie and there's camaraderie and BMX and all that stuff too. But it's not like so-and-so missed a shot on the buzzer and they cost you the game or some, you know, or yep. this person made a mistake and then that turned into this, which – cause an L or whatever. It's just 
to me, I always liked it better. If I'm going to lose, it needs to be on me. And I don't, right. I never liked ball sports really because it's like, I don't know. I don't think anyone did. I mean, in our, in our, cr- in our crew, I, I admit that What's I like that? soccer a lot. Oh, really? See, I like watching hockey. I think it's only because people punch each other from time <laughs> people, to time. You might see a fight. You might see a fight. You like UFC too, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really into that. Yep. So that's also like our household. I have a four-year-old mm. and he pretends to be like Justin Gaethje all the time. <laughs> or, yeah. We were just boxing actually before I came on here. So That's hilarious. Awesome. You know who really loves uh, fighting that I nerd out with? I just talked to him the other day. Is uh, T-Bone loves the UFC. Really? Loves it, yeah. Every time, like we're all together podcasting with those guys, T Bone and I are always having a side conversation about like an upcoming fight. That's awesome. T Bone's kind of into everything, like golfing. Yeah, he's into a lot. He's into a lot of stuff. But he like knows he knows a lot about fighting. Mm-hmm. Like I talk to him, I'm like, oh man, you're you're exceeding my knowledge here. Like I don't know. Like he knows the fighters and like what they're what they do. He was always, he'd always nerd out with Steve over golfing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know that much about that sport? I don't know. Rating sport. He's sharp, dude. He, uh, I don't know. Bones a man. Awesome. Yeah, when you get yeah, we were kind of arguing, not arguing. We were debating the last Sean O'Malley finish where Sean, not he, uh, T Bone said it was stopped a little early, which I'm like three punches early. Yeah, I mean his his head bounced off the canvas a couple times, and I'm not <laughs> even like a Sean O'Malley fan. I like him. He definitely has like that persona and stuff that you want to follow mm-hmm. but i really thought that aljo was just gonna ragdoll him on the ground i thought he's like gonna he lay on him yeah i thought it was gonna be really really boring and then he caught him and i Would, think in a rematch you'll, you'll see a different result but. i think so too but so, is that something you ever thought about doing a painting of like UFC sp- fighters yeah i think like up close like bloody portrait style would be like really cool i bet you they could they'd sell there's actually like people that have that niche already covered. Yeah. So I, I don't know if mine would stand out or not, but there's people that like actually present paintings at almost every single UFC event. They go to the main event and present them with a painting of them versus their opponent. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. So that's like, pretty being, cool. I don't that's know cool. if being a white flies them out or what, but. Well, if he wants to fly me out, I'm I'm game. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, he listens to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure if he does, or it gets in Rogan's ear or something. Come on. Yeah, let's right. get some poll going on. Well, there's a niche for guys who like hunting that also like fighting. Um, so far, you got me and T Bone. There's, there's a, <laughs> that's good company to have I, I won't complain with that yeah i'm sure t-bone would love a painting he uh he uh I, i'm not gonna bring up what he said about justin gaethje remember the slee slack thing yeah because justin gaethje had like a deviated septum and when he yep. talked t-bone said he sounded like a slee slack well it's <laughs> funny the last fight he had he fixed his septum and he knocked poirier out right so we're <laughs> t-bone never laughing about that it's like ironic that he said that then gets it fixed and just Play Poor Dustin rocket. Poirier can't catch a break. He can't, dude. Sorry, we're nervous. He gets up to the highest, the highest moment and then falls every time. I know it. Just like Cowboy Cerrone, man. Yeah. That dude never won a belt, which is crazy. He was a badass, though. Look at us taking this wildlife art DeerCast episode, and it's called Working Class on DeerCast on UFC. 
That uh, sounds good. That's a perfect podcast for me. I love it. Dude, I'm in. You know what we ought to do? I think every year right around the Iowa Deer Classic, which is like the first weekend of March, there's always a big pay-per-view that weekend. So if you book the Iowa show this year, we, we all go out and get dinner, watch I'll a pay-per-view while we're out, and just double down on it. I would love that. That'd be awesome. Be cool. Most yeah. most weekends we're out, there's a pay-per-view on. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to line Sweet. it up, man. We'll see if, if it all works out. If not, you have to just come to the studio because we'll do fight parties here on our big screen. And Where are you guys located? New Windsor, Illinois. So Illinois. we are west west central Illinois. Touch north from central. Yeah. So, Are you guys going down to like Kentucky or anything that opens up early for deer season? Not this year. No. 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 Eric, it's something Eric's been talking about doing for a while because you you still have access to a property. Yep. I got some. My wife's family has some ground down there I, that they bought. You know, three or four years ago. I just have not made it down there yet. You know, life happens and yeah. kids and everything else. So <laughs> yeah, kids have been happening. Yeah, kids have been happening last couple of years. So I will yeah. make it down there though. It's definitely a. Uh, I want to shoot a velvet buck real bad. Yeah, I'm going down uh, leaving Friday to go to Kentucky. Oh, sweet. Awesome, man. Well, good luck so, to you. Hopefully, they'll hopefully still we be can in, connect. They'll still be in velvet. Uh, the guy that I'm going down, he's a customer of mine. or that like that, That's how we met, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, we became friends, and he invited me down last year. And we were supposed to be down there for like three or four days. My buddy ended up that I drove down with got poison oak all over his face and between his legs. And oh no! So <laughs> we got that trip cut short. That was <laughs> bad. Were they were they hardhorn then? Yep. Not to overlook your buddy, damn near dying from poison oak, but no, no, no problem. They're <laughs> hardhorned right now. A lot of them on his camera. I just had my first hardhorn picture like two days ago, which it's that's early for us. Yeah, I haven't had one yet. It's just started. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have any up in Vermont um, that I've seen. I have quite a few cameras out, but normally it's like the middle of September. You'll start seeing that. Would you rather have velvet or hardhorn? I've never shot a velvet, um, so probably velvet. Yeah, and they look yeah. bigger. <laughs> they do look they bigger. Do. They are cooler. Our buddy Devin hates velvet, and I never really understood. I get, I guess I kind of get some of the points he makes, but velvet's cool. Yeah, we don't get to. I mean. I wrote down some stats about Vermont. I didn't know if we were going to take it hunting or not in this podcast. Oh, we, we absolutely can. Heck yeah, we can. Let's hear some Vermont. I want to know what you wrote down now. Now we have <laughs> For to. For sure. So there were 9,619 bucks shot in the state of Vermont last year. Okay. That were reported. And uh, 156 of them, only 156 of them scored 110 or higher. Whoa. Whoa. So that's less than two percent of the deer shot scored 110 or higher that's a big stat yeah does that include like button bucks and everything do you guys have to report it like differently uh so there was like a little breakdown of uh fawn doe fawn and then like buck fawn i guess Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. button bucks for those people that did report it as a male but i think most people yeah because under an inch it's technically antlerless antlerless yeah under an inch. I think Illinois is three inches, which is giving a little too much there. But that under 2%, oh, und, over, over 110. 110. Yeah, so 9,600, just over 9,600 shot bucks. 156 of them scored 110 or higher. Five of them were shot with a bow. Whoa. Whoa. 
Dude, I was gonna. So the reason why I I knew you're from Vermont, and the reason why I didn't want to bring up Vermont too much. Well, you know, not that I did not want to bring it up, but I just feel like we've been doing nothing but ragging on New England states and Michigan <laughs> so bad that I was like, ah, we'll give it a break. I won't get into it. And no, uh, dude, talk, no, talk about it. Now you <laughs> got me fired up. <laughs> that's those numbers are insane though. I would have never guessed that. Is there a state that's worse than that? You know, I don't. So, like the the area that I hunt, I don't know how many hunters actually like respond to this questionnaire. But the Vermont Fish and Game put out a like a poll according to each county or wildlife management unit per ten hours of sitting. How many deer do you see? It's point eight in mine. Jeez, ten, 10 hours of sitting. It's you don't even see a full deer on the average. <laughs> you don't even see a full deer. I saw a tail. <laughs> yeah, just a glimpse. I saw point eight of a deer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. So not many people going out there to hunt, huh? Not many people taking destination trips to hunt out there. No, turkey hunting's amazing. I think it is. I've always heard that's so good in New England area. Like, uh, the cartel guys tr- are trying to get us to come out mm-hmm. to just anywhere Tyler? out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, that's a bummer. That is. So, yeah. are the deer behind you Vermont deer? Yeah. Uh, which way do I got to move? So, that one's my biggest my biggest buck. And that's, I think it was like 112 or something. It qualified for the record book just barely for so that you, year. you're in the top 2% of bow hunters in your state right now. I was rifle. Okay. <laughs> so then you're the top, uh, well, I don't know, we'd have to... Still 129. 129. People shot 110s or higher with a rifle. You're up in there. Yeah. That's still top 2%. Yeah, we'll call it that. Yeah. (laughs) Not good at math. (laughs) That's impressive, though. If you shoot a 100-inch buck in Vermont, like, that's that's a really respectable deer. Yeah, it sounds like it now. Like, especially when you lay those stats out, it's like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, usually when most people say that, I'm like, oh, is it though? Like, or do you have to shoot like 112? Well, what we learned when talking to Aaron Blysey about Michigan that what was it 100 or 105 is a Michigan book buck. Yeah, and so when, 110 is a book buck here. It's crazy that your guys's book bucks are higher than Michigan with with those statistics. Yeah, I mean, I I have another one upstairs that's like 107 or something like that. It's an eight point. Mm-hmm. that I shot in Vermont too. Um, again, rifle, mm-hmm. but I still hunt because of that 0.8, uh, stat about like 10 hours of sitting and stuff. Like even with my bow, I still hunt. Yeah. I, I just kind of walk the ridges of the mountains and still hunt. And it tends to work out for me, mm-hmm. but if that doesn't work, then I bring a rifle out during rifle season, do the same thing. And, Normally, I, I shoot a decent buck. Um, I try to shoot something about like that size or bigger. Yeah. But in Vermont, I mean, you might literally see one buck a year. That's crazy. That is man. insane. That's such a, it's so sad, but that's how I think of that area. Yeah. Like, I just mountains and, yeah, just, I don't big, have gi- big giant timber. I, I don't want to be offensive to it, but I have that <laughs> mindset towards like all the Eastern states like that. I just do. And, yeah. but then maybe people will look at me for having that mindset of like 
but we all didn't get to be born in Illinois and Iowa. Right. You know, and I get it. Like, we're very grateful and thankful and lucky, one, to be born in the U.S., and then two, to love deer hunting and be born in arguably the top two best whitetail states in the country. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I actually have never, last year is the first time I've ever hunted out of state. Mm-hmm. Because I normally just hunt Vermont until I kill a buck. And then it ne- was never even really a thought to like go elsewhere. Dude, you're going to be moving out of that state if you keep hunting out of that state. Yeah, no kidding. You're going to realize, like, man, I could, I could be just a little hey, you further could, away. You could paint anywhere. Yeah. You, right? Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And you can shoot like spike horns still. You can shoot those in like the strip of the Green Mountain National Forest land which is like, that's that 0.8 per 10 hours of sitting. But like, you can still shoot a spike, even though like the statistics I just read you, like that's why they don't get big around here. Yeah, I can see that. Well, we had this big <laughs> cultural talk about Michigan with with uh, David and, and Aaron. Aaron, yep. And then, uh, well, we had it kind of two ways. We did it on their show and then they were on our show and we, we, Kind of, we talked a little bit about it with OKS Hunter as well, also Northern State guys. And it's like the cultural shift has to change. But then again, if it doesn't, it just still gives people a reason to complain. And I somehow think that just like misery just loves company in that, Mm -hmm. where it's just easier to just be like, I live in Vermont. I can't kill big bucks like you because you live in the Midwest. I feel like. There's something about that energy that wants to keep that energy. I mean, the new the new muzzleloader state record was just shot, and it's like a hundred sixty five inch buck. Mm-hmm. So See, that's you, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. They're out there, and then a couple of years back, the new state record was like one eighty five or something. Oof! Wow, that guy probably has a. I don't even know. He, <laughs> freaking out! <laughs> no kidding. Well, dang. Yeah, I front of the newspaper for sure. Yeah, down at the down at the diner. Yep. The biggest buck I've ever like even got on camera is probably like a one thirty five inch buck, but in velvet. See, that's like a damn near one eighty here. Then. Yep. Yeah. So I I was trying to figure out like I started looking up stats about like Iowa and stuff before, but I couldn't calculate stuff quick enough before I got on with you guys (laughs) to kind of compare. Yeah. What's a hundred inch buck to you guys? Probably one twenty. Yeah. I, I, That's about what I was figuring. Yeah, one ish, you know, give or take without thinking about it too much. And then I imagine like uh how big is that buck behind you? Uh like one twelve or so. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, so it'd be like one fifty probably here. Yeah. That buck looks bigger from, from it does. our angle here. It's got a really weird antler it's like curved forward Mm -hmm. um i was rifle hunting and i watched a three point go by me which there's my 0.8 buck right there (laughs) yeah Um, yeah i watched a three point go by me and then the six point followed it a couple minutes later and i was like oh that's a decent buck so i put my rifle up and put it on fire had it in the scope and i was about to squeeze And I heard the snow crunch behind me and both the deer took off running. And I was like, dang, that's a hunter. 
So I slowly turn like this. I shoot lefty and it was over my left shoulder. Uh -huh. So I was like, dang, that's a hunter. So I look like this and that buck's standing 30 yards behind me. So I <laughs> switch slow, like very slowly switch to my right arm. And then he put his head down and took a step and I swung over and shot. But wow, that was pretty crazy. That is crazy. That's awesome, man. Dude, I'm calling. I'm, oh, dude, but you can't, yeah, I get it. Hindsight, you know, but I'm calling this podcast Wildlife Art and, and point eight bucks. There we go. <laughs> there you go. I'll get some people riled up. Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to do a whole other episode where we get in depth on kind of like where you're at and, and hunting on that and kind of expand. What we could do is just get everyone from all the, um, Man, see here I am. I'm going sinister again. <laughs> I just I can feel myself just coming to a dark cliff and about to jump off it. I was gonna say small buck states, but that sounds offensive. It's not what I'm about here. But it'd be interesting to get like some stories and perspectives from you and someone just say from Michigan. Smaller buck states. Smaller buck smaller buck states. Smaller. And then get somebody from like a southern state and get everyone on one episode. I think that the very first like message I ever sent to you guys on Instagram was something along the lines of like, I love listening to you guys, listen to you all the time. It's super hard to relate to you guys when you're talking about one seventies. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get some new England guys on. That's fair. Right. All right. We, I will give you that. We need to get more new England guys on. If you yeah. guys bring like lobster rolls and scallops. Yep. We'll be good. We could meet in the bring middle. Maple somewhere. syrup too. Maple syrup. And we'll bring you like sweet corn and maybe a shed antler or two. <laughs> And maybe a full buck instead of point eight. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll give you we'll give you a full one. Perfect. <laughs> awesome, dude. That's the deal. Well, this was fun, man. I appreciate yeah. you kind of like letting us grill you on art. It, it was kind of hard for us to interview on that because it's like hard to even wrap our heads around it. Um, I get that. We're just a bunch of wage brains, but I appreciate you kind of giving us some insight on how you operate. Um, I really hope this episode helps you out, makes some art sales and people look into you, and we're gonna get you to the Midwest and Get some painting at some trade shows. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe some, I look forward to it. Maybe some really tattoos in the future. Thank you guys enough for having me on. Dude, anytime. I'd love to have you in person here soon. We'll have to cut that yeah. up and maybe let's you can, talk deer next time. Let's talk deer. Yep, yeah, we got the it. artist stuff out of the way. Now people know you here and that's what they do if they want to get some art. But we uh we'll get people riled up about Vermont. Perfect. I can't wait to see the comments. <laughs> yeah, it'll be wonderful. <laughs> I'm not going to read them. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Everyone watching and listening, I'm going to put all the links to get any art or contact him and bother him about custom cat drawings. Um, that'll be all in the podcast description. So thank yep. you for tuning in, watching, and listening. We'll catch you next week. Go shoot a giant. Peace. <laughs>